Hello, and welcome to the IABC Ottawa podcast, The Voice. This is a show where we talk about things related to communications, marketing, strategy, social media, and whatever else is relevant to the Ottawa IABC community. So welcome. We should probably introduce ourselves. I'm Sarah Turnbull. And you're back. I'm back. I've done some work with IABC, but this is the first time working on the podcast. And joining me is... I'm Sherry Ask, and I'm not back. I'm new. Um, I am joining you, Sarah, and the IABC this year, and I'm very excited uh, to be helping with this podcast as we relaunch it. Yes. And so we've got this great first episode planned for you. We wanted to bring you the audio from this fantastic panel event IBC hosted recently in partnership with the Government Relations Institute of Canada, GRIC. Uh, we put this event together shortly after the election to talk about how to engage strategically with a newly elected minority government. So who would have been interested in this, Sarah? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, just about anyone with a client um, that interacts with the government frequently, either because they're interested in a par- particular legislation, funding, policy. Uh, it's it's anyone who who frequently comes into contact with the government. And I imagine that here in Ottawa, there's a lot of people in the comms industry who would fall into that group. Exactly. And so we just put together a three-person panel to talk about this. And I'll just walk through them quickly because uh, they do uh, introduce themselves on the tape. Um, And we were lucky because we were able to get together people from different sides of the political spectrum. So we had Rachel Curran, who's fabulous. She was was an advisor in former Prime Minister Stephen Harper's government and now does consulting work and teaches at Carleton. You'll hear from Ken Polk, who was in former Prime Minister Jean Chrétien's office, working as a chief speechwriter, among other positions, then moved into the public service until recently. And then we had Jeremy Wittet, who is the Director of Government and Public Affairs at Edelman, which is a global communications firm. So it was a stacked lineup. And you moderated Having recently I, yes. worked um, at CTV News covering the election as a reporter, you were the the person running the show. I did, yeah. No, it was it was great. I uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Was it your first time moderating an event? It was. It was actually probably my my third time now moderating an event, but it was one of my uh, favorites uh, just because of the the people involved. And the topic was was important for, for all people, for all communicators, but also just in general as a journalist, I think that it uh, appealed to, to all, uh, all folks in the room. That's fantastic. Well, I'm excited to hear the audio from the event because I haven't heard it yet. Um, And then maybe at the end, uh, we can talk about what was said, because obviously this was recorded um, in November. And so, well, some of our members would have been there. So we'll add probably some perspective for them. So they should stick around to the end of the podcast because we'll have some new conversation. Um, But as well, people who follow federal politics will know that there have been some changes maybe since when you recorded. That's exactly it. There's been some significant changes because it was recorded um, before a federal cabinet had been announced and before the throne speech. So we were kind of, um, and before obviously Andrew Scheer had resigned. So um, for the (laughs) minor changes, minor, minor 
minor minor changes. So for for those that are sort of in tune with the political scene, um, we foreshadow a lot, but no one could have predicted the outcomes of all those situations. So um, it was really interesting. And uh, in a minority government, it's a lot easier to know where the government stands on on an issue. So you you can make your calm strategy based on that. In a minority, it may it may not matter as much what the party with the most seats thinks about, say, on a carbon tax or funding indigenous communities. So there might be more negotiating involved or or a need to consult other parties. And the panel just had a tremendous points on all of that because they have firsthand experience um, working in the government. Yeah. Well, and like you said, the one thing that hasn't changed is, okay, we're still in a minority government. So all of these communication strategies for how to engage um, with a minority government still apply. Exactly. Yes. Well, I think we should play it. So let's play it. First, I want to say, you know, it's now been over four weeks uh, since the election, believe it or not. Oh, my God, it feels like it's been a year. Um, and we know the results were in a liberal minority. Um, we're, it's Christmas Eve, right? As, as people are saying, we're going to get a cabinet uh, for some uh, cabinet selection uh, tomorrow. Some leaking, some information leaking out already. Um, but there are there are certain cards we've been dealt with with a minority government, and there are certain realities to that. Mm-hmm. So I want you know you guys all have experience in this realm. So I want to start with the basics of just you know communicating or interacting, interfacing with a, a minority government. How is what are some of the basic conditions that you have to expect with that? Yeah, that's a good question. So I worked in uh, minority governments under Stephen Harper, and then we finally got a majority in 2011, and it feels very different. The pace is very different. The way we interacted with stakeholders was very different. When you're approaching a minority government, the first question is, if you need legislation, who's your partner? Hmm. Like, who's your partner in the House? Um, Who's going to be the party that supports you on this? And when you go to government, you've got to have that figured out already. Um, You have to have talked to the NDP or the Bloc or the CPC uh, and figured out where they stand on your initiative and whether they're going to support the government. Because to get anything through the House, the government is going to need support from at least one of those parties. Yeah, so you're saying as a communicator, you got to already have gone to NDP, whatever, conservative... Yes. Pledge your case. Yes. For anything requiring legislation, even if it doesn't require legislation, you've got to do a lot more of the heavy lifting on the stakeholder front. Right. Like put together the coalition of people who are going to come out and support the government publicly. They are governing now by public opinion. Yes. Right. That is how they are getting things through and how they are moving things forward. So as a stakeholder, as an organization, you've got to do that work ahead of time for them. Uh, Gentlemen, can you uh, weigh in on that? I um, I would say that um, to me, uh, having worked in a majority and a minority as well, both from the political and the public service side, um, you know, the whole notion of a five-year strategic plan, just forget it. Um, the I mean, public service and political people love majorities more than anything else on the planet, and they hate minorities. Um, just because you, you you know that as a matter of historical fact, you're going to be there for not much more than two years. Um, you know that the um, that all of the parties are looking at whatever they do in terms of what their reelect will be. Uh, and so you need to discipline, uh, if, as you're coming to the government, you need to discipline what you want them to do within that time frame. 
um, and, uh, and also come to them with a notion of, well, how is this going to work with voters two years down, down the line? Mm -hmm. so, so it's a much more, it's, it's power is diffuse, mm. but the very fact that power is diffuse means you have to be more disciplined as to how you go about doing it. Yeah, good point. Yeah, it's interesting. There's been, uh, I believe, 14 uh, federal minority governments since Confederation uh, in Canada. I had the opportunity to work in uh, a provincial minority government on the opposition side. And uh, I, I can't stress the importance of uh, taking the time, as, as Rachel mentioned, to go in and meet with uh, all the new members. I think there's nearly 100 new members of the House. Take the time to meet with many of the new MPs really understand the issues that each of the parties campaigned on and what are the things that they're going to champion uh, within this uh, new parliament. This is also opportunity for you and your clients to look at things that may not be a priority for the governing party, mm -hmm. but you now have an opportunity to put that on the radar through committees. The opposition parties collectively will control majority on committees. So there's an opportunity to bring up issues through uh, committee studies and uh, uh, different uh, ways to, to raise awareness of, of your clients' uh, issues uh, in the House, in committee, uh, amongst uh, the media that may not traditionally have had the opportunity to be raised in, in a majority government. This is sort of a basic question, but I'm kind of curious. Do you just, when you're approaching, uh, when you're when you're advising your clients or whatever, would you just say, call them up for coffee, call their office? What do you what do you you know face to face? What do you what do you say to them? Yeah, I mean, relationships matter for sure, so you have to do that. Um, I would never advise a client to go in and just have coffee. Go in with a clear ask. I mean, that time is limited. Um, I, look, as as Ken has said. This government will last uh, two years, probably, at most. I think they're going to look for an opportunity to engineer their defeat if they think they can do yeah. better, um, at possibly an, at, at a point earlier than that. Um, you know, they've got pretty weak opposition at the moment. If they think they can grab another 13 seats and get their majority back, mm. uh, they're going to do that. And they'll do that. Uh, at the earliest opportunity possible. So I, I, look, they're going to focus on delivering on their platform. Um, I suspect we'll see a big chunk of the platform in the first budget. Yeah. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of room for discussion of issues outside of that. If your issue is outside of that, try and jam it into the platform <laughs> somehow or the government priorities. Um, so, so they're going to be very disciplined about doing that. And the question <coughs> always at the front of their minds will be, how is this going to play in the next campaign? Is this right. going to help us in the next campaign? Is it going to help us in the regions we need to pick up seats, with the target voters we need to pick up seats? Right. The focus is incredibly political, and it is focused on the next campaign. Are you, part of my French, are you shit out of luck if you um, don't have, a, if your clients' needs are not coinciding with the government's, like environment will be big, we know that. So what if what if your clients' needs don't coincide with that? What if they're about clean coal? Exactly. <laughs> um, well, that's a well big, no, yeah. I mean, that's the beauty, well, for lack of a better term, the beauty of a minority government is that the government doesn't control the agenda. Um, right. This is a significant major minority, so the government is not, is not a thin one, so the government is not living and dying on every confidence vote. Um, so uh, you're not out of luck at all, uh, but the fact that they're all, uh, there are these sort of what I refer to as there's multiple balances of power. There's going to be balances between, you know, the finance minister. No one hates the finance minister more <laughs> than 
well, anybody who isn't in the finance department um, uh, or PMO. Yeah. Um, and um, don't like them either. So, so they're <laughs> so they're not they're not going to be able to call every tune, and so the the key is to do your platform analysis. Say, okay, where do I know? Like, if I if the Conservatives and the Bloc and the NDP, if there is some uh, policy area where there actually is common ground, and I don't. I, defer to you guys, but there, there actually is, not, notwithstanding the fact that the press and, and we focus on, or political practitioners focus on wedges and conflict, there is an enormous amount of common ground amongst, uh, amongst parties. And if you can build that, if you can mm. turn it into a vote, or, I mean, there's a whole bunch of people who also have regulatory issues, right? And regulatory issues are typically handled through Canada Gazette One or the CRTC or, or what have you. But if you feel strongly enough about a regulatory matter, uh, and you can find those allies within the opposition, then you can do some work on a regulatory matter of well. Something that never comes to the House, but something that if the, the opposition parties go, well, you know, we really mm -hmm. want this to happen, or some combination, um, then you can make it happen. Hmm. Yeah, I would also say in the next, uh, in the coming weeks and months, there are a number of things that you can do uh, with your clients. So at Edelman, one of the things that we'll do uh, is uh, obviously we'll, we'll put out an analysis of, of cabinet and when those mandate letters come out, have a thorough read of those and help our clients understand where's the alignments to some of the priorities of the government. Are your issues missing and how do we formulate a plan to get those issues on the radar of those ministries? Um, you've also got uh, the speech from the throne that'll come uh, in, in the next couple weeks. And you'll want to look at what that narrative is. Go go through the speech within the throne uh, with your clients and see where there's opportunities uh, there as well. And then we move very quickly into uh, almost a budget season. So you're into the sort of pre-budget submission period. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities uh, through building relationships, getting to know people on Parliament Hill. Um, and, I mean, Ken was a public servant. Don't forget about the public service. Go in there and make sure that yeah. you brief them with the same material that you're briefing the political folks with. And so when those new ministers and those parliamentary secretaries are briefing up, uh, they're seeing some similar information coming from their colleagues on the public service side. Uh, so in the next few weeks, there's uh, a tremendous amount of opportunities for you to uh, prepare your clients for what's to come in the, in the next uh, few months in this new session of Parliament. If I could have said one, oh, yeah, yeah, one yeah, thing. I mean, we'll see, you know, when the presents are open tomorrow on Christmas Day, what, what the actual outcome of all of this is. And I, I say that jokingly, but I know that there are a lot of people, colleagues we probably all know, who are a yeah. little bit concerned about tonight and what tomorrow will bring. Or, um, but um, the, the thing that you need also factor into it from just a stakeholder perspective is the fact that I'm hearing mooted machinery, what we call machinery of government changes, mm. and uh, splits of departments, realignment of departments to better deliver and focus results. Mm. Um, from a public service perspective, there will be people who will be having extreme nausea tonight just thinking about the possibility that they may need to reorganize the departments. One of the axes of criticism of the Trudeau government's first mandate was that there, some people thought that there was an excessive focus on process. Uh, we have been hearing that they want to focus on results. There is nothing more processy than machinery of government changes. Yeah. I lived through uh, one specifically when I worked with my boss, Jackie, 
uh, at um, uh, international trade where they were going to split international trade from foreign affairs. And by God, I don't think it ever actually happened, <laughs> right? And it's, it's, it's an energy-sucking vampire working on these sorts of things. So, you know, keep an eye on that too. There's going to be, are they really serious about that? Do they really want to do that? So that's where we get back to the issue of discipline because if the government has, for whatever reason, has decided to bury itself under process, then you need to really be focused on, because it, it can be remarkable. And to that point, there's going to be positions perhaps that are new to this cabinet or this government or, you know, to politics. Um, I, we know Anne McClellan's going to be doing some advising out west. Mm -hmm. So we can't forget those players, too, like the people on the edges. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Um, yeah, and the, uh, the current government, to its credit, has you know pulled in a lot of these external advisors to help it ma manage some of those sensitive issues. Um, mixed record again on on how that's worked out, um, but I think dealing with the fact that they do not have representation in the prairies currently, being outside of downtown Winnipeg. Um, and they're going to have some real um, concerns on the resource development front and the national unity front. So, yeah, I think they'll pull in external people to help them with that. They'll figure out how to establish a presence in those provinces where they don't currently have elected MPs. Uh, and they will be sensitive to the fact that they need to show uh, progress yeah. um, and show that those areas are not being ignored. So again, if your issue, if you can present your issue yeah. as somehow furthering national unity yeah. or furthering their cause in uh, the prairie provinces, um, you know, that's that's that's, that's going to help. It's going to yeah. be that was a huge issue. Um, <clears throat> we also know this is, this is new to this, um, well, to this term too as well. Is is the the presence of the Bloc Québécois, and uh, they are now third party status. Their influence in decision making will be will be big. Um, how do we interact with a party? Um, that hasn't been at the table previously, like it has right now. So I think the, the, the resurgence of the bloc is, presents an interesting, uh, I mean, an opportunity for the government because they know uh, the things that make the Bloc Quebecois tick uh, and what they campaigned on, which was uh, protecting uh, Quebec-based companies and ensuring jobs stay in the province of Quebec. Uh, they, they campaigned very strongly on uh, the issue of uh, tax reform, as well as giving the National Assembly greater autonomy over uh, uh, issues of importance to Quebecers. So uh, the Trudeau Liberals, um, you know, perhaps may not even need some of the other parties as long as they can show the, an olive branch on issues of importance to Quebecers. Uh, there's a real opportunity that the Bloc could actually play uh, second fiddle to this government and, and effectively be their, their balance of power uh, for, for a, an extended period of time. Uh, sometimes the simplest things are the things that people forget. Speak French. Uh, have a French capacity within your organization. Make sure your stakeholders have a French capacity within their organization. I have to, shameless plug here, uh, point out that Compass Rose launched uh, a full-service francophone uh, um, capacity in the last week, uh, mm. but uh, make sure the documents are drafted in French. Right. Make sure that, I mean, you don't want to just sort of go, well, this kind of looks like it could have been French, but it's no French that I'm really familiar with. 
So that's really important. It's like it's like your entry. Your, it's like getting you through the door. Yeah. Can I jump in on yes. this too? So, look, what prevented Trudeau from getting another majority government was the Bloc Québécois yeah. in Quebec. The path back to a majority for him goes largely through Quebec. So my theory is this: he is not going to try and give credit to the Bloc Québécois for anything. Uh, he's going to try and make them look irrelevant. Yeah. He's going to try and push them off to the side. He's going to try and show that he can deliver for Quebec uh, right. without going through the Bloc Québécois, without going through Mr. Blanchette. So that, I think, is why we've seen this steady leak of stories in the yes. French press um, yes. about Quebec MPs who are now going to be ministers. Yeah. Uh, he will have a much a higher point. profile presence uh, in Quebec, and I think there will be a lot of attention paid uh, to getting those seats back from the bloc and, and potentially taking a few from the conservatives as well. So Jagmeet Singh was kind of on point the other week when he was saying, we are going to be their partner. Let's yes. forget about the bloc, even though everyone was going, well, that's not really how parliament works. But the optics beyond that political reality, the optics of working with a separatist party are yeah. tremendously problematic. Yeah. Like I, the NDP are not wrong in saying that they are the logical partner uh, for the liberals in this parliament. Looking ahead, what are what would you be planning, um, advising your clients without revealing too many secrets? What should the, the crowd here be, be preparing for? I guess as we go forward, uh, the budget. Yeah. Um, the uh, that's the next key point in the. Uh, obviously, the, the government has to demonstrate that it has the confidence of the house on the throne speech, um, but the budget will be key. Um, uh, I want to quote uh, Tim Murphy, who was Paul Martin's uh, mm. chief of staff yeah. from years ago, uh, that uh, minorities are expensive things. And mm. um, there are uh, lots of members out there, both within the governing caucus and from caucuses elsewhere, who will be looking to say, well, I'm happy to work with you on this, but... Uh, if I, as I recall, uh, in 2005, uh, Ralph Goodale, the then finance minister, basically, I think he delivered a budget and then he had to go back and rewrite it. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so the government will be looking for ways of preempting that type of an embarrassing, uh, yeah. I think debacle is really the only way you mm -hmm. could refer to it. Yeah. But also trying to balance that with sort of saying, well, you know, it's not all open, you know, it's not going to be all spending. Uh, but uh, I would say that uh, whatever your clients are looking for in terms of what they want in the budget, doing that political analysis, getting ready for the budget right. is essential. Yeah, no, Ken's right. You have to sit down with your clients and really understand, you know, what are some of the issues that they want to move forward and, and traditional uh, some issues that uh, perhaps may not be uh, on the government's radar. It's your opportunity to put them on the radar, craft a pre-budget submission, uh, and, and make sure you get that in. I mean, that budget season creeps up on us uh, pretty quickly. So uh, over the next, uh, yeah, yeah, it's really almost today. So uh, start thinking about that prior to the Christmas break and, and how you're going to present uh, that budgetary ask to government. Yeah. I, I want to ask one more question. Um, <clears throat> how can... PR for yourselves. How can you present yourselves as um, uh, as experts for your clients? What kind of content deliverables can you say? You know, for example, the cabinet shuffle. Like, okay, we're going to provide a good analysis on on that. Or or um, how can you offer yourselves up? Yeah. 
I, I am always, I'm still amazed by how little people outside of Ottawa know about how government works and how cabinets are formed, yeah, how too. decisions are made. Like, we take it for granted because we're in the heart of this, um, that everyone is aware of what's happening um, and how the government is working, and they really aren't. Even the most basic things about who has been appointed to cabinet, what's their background, why are they in those positions, what mm -hmm. is the government hoping to accomplish with those people there, both politically and substantively on the policy side. So really, all of that information, uh, information about how cabinet is going to work, um, and how decisions are cranked through yeah. cabinet and out the other end, like all of that is value that people in this room can provide yeah. that really no one outside of Ottawa has any kind of awareness of. It's so true. It's actually staggering to me. A little yeah, it bit. still surprises me. Yeah, yeah. like a poli sci 101. Any yeah. gentleman, do you any input there? Uh, yeah, well, I would second what uh, Rachel has said. Um, the uh, the key for, and I think other people may have touched on this earlier. Uh, and certainly one, one of the issues that we struggle with in the public service is turning a, a policy proposal or an idea, which for a civil servant may be more about, you know, regulatory instrument of choice yeah. or legislative approach or something like that, or a memorandum of cabinet, into something that matters to people. Yeah. And uh, that is also uh, something that you, that we can all provide to, to our clients. Um, I also think, though, that um, it's important not simply to be looking at, you know, how to angle, but I honestly think, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get dumped on for saying this, um, or maybe not, uh, that most of the people in the House of Commons and in the Senate are actually about trying to achieve a public policy good to make life better for Canadians, mm -hmm. um, to achieve a common good, to make things better. Uh, and again, as I mentioned before, you, you, you need to show how you're solving a policy dilemma, something that matters yeah. to Canadians, but in a way that will make sense to Canadians and can be communicated to Canadians. That's a good point. Well, Ken's right. I think most people are there for good, but I think that they get inundated with so many issues that cross mm -hmm. their desk that they really need you. It's it's a it's on you and the stakeholders uh, to uh, to bring solutions forward and to distill it down in a way that's manageable. Because if you get 30 minutes with an elected official yeah. or a public servant, you need to uh, you need to get that into a one pager. You need to have a very clear and concise ask, and uh, you need to uh, I think a good consultant and a good client. Would, uh, w would actually present the solution to government and how you would solve this problem, maybe give them a few options and how you would propose to solve that, and uh, even run some scenarios on what those implications uh, could, could be if they, uh, they implement your solution. So yep. I think go, go in and, and, and be ready and be prepared. Yeah, Jeremy and I were talking about this earlier. Absolutely, give them the policy problem you're solving and the communications plan, as Ken has talked about. But give them the implementation pathway, too. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. tell them, we need a change in this regulation. Here's the text mm -hmm. of the regulation. Mm -hmm. The minister responsible yeah. is already supportive. Uh, and this can be on the Treasury Board agenda in the next four to six weeks. Um, and here's the pathway forward. So make it so easy for them. Mm -hmm. Do their work for them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but also, I was actually, you know, it was a good point, I was thinking about, I was talking with a Liberal MP last week about what 
the first bill he's going to bring forward to. And I know it's a lottery, but it's actually worthwhile chatting with MPs. Yeah. What's the first issue you want to bring forward? Yes. And a lot of them, surprisingly, have not thought about, if they win the PMB lottery, yeah. the private member's bill lottery, um, what are they going to bring to the House? It's a great idea to go talk to the people who have won that and say, like, if you're looking for an issue, here's a great one. It aligns with your government's priorities or your party's priorities. Yeah. Uh, we've got the text of it written. You know, you're going to get a ton of positive press over this. Yeah. Uh, many MPs are, are going to say, great. Like, great. Let, 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 me, yeah. let me put this into my yeah. folder. Yeah, yeah and I, I would just add, like, this is the opportunity for minority parliaments or when you see uh, private members' business really succeed. I mean, I think back to, uh, to my time in a minority parliament in Ontario. And there were uh, there were NDP and Conservative uh, uh, private members' uh, business that were that were passed. I think there was 14 or 15 bills that actually uh, uh, made it through uh, during the uh, the uh, Kathleen Wynne minority in Ontario. So, um, you know, if if if, if your client or you have a uh, a solution or you, you, you have an idea that you want to present to uh, perhaps even a new MP who hasn't, as Rachel said, put a lot of thought into this, you, that can be one of your first initial meetings. Uh, uh, and really, you, you can almost uh, understand who some of these newly elected MPs are, understand their backgrounds. Mm, yeah. And maybe, you know, uh, go identify someone who has a background or uh, uh, an interest in an issue that your client has and present them with that opportunity. You just never know. Like, there may be an opportunity to pass that uh, piece of legislation through the House. Okay. Well, good job, Sarah. That was great. Thanks so much. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I'm curious now. I'm going to play the, the <laughs> moderator of our own Ooh, podcast. Okay. Um, what was the biggest takeaway for you, having, you know, listened to all that? Yeah, so I think the biggest takeaway for me, and it was reflected in some of the questions, but it was the role that the Bloc Québécois will play now that it is officially holds third party status in the House. So, um, you know, that's that's going to be a new experience for a lot of communicators, how to interact with this party um, and, and also what role they play, the significance of their role. Um, you know, it used to be the NDP. Um, people may, might more might be more frequently um, or more comfortable communicating uh, with with other folks in in parliament, so this this is a new body and and new players, and also the importance of having um, French language staff uh, in your team. It's going to be hugely vital as we go forward. Yeah, I think for me, um, what was really interesting that I hadn't thought about before is it's almost like things are murkier. Yes, like. If it's a majority government, then you know who to go to. Right. You know where they stand. Um, you know who you need to consult and yeah. who has power. But um, I think there was someone who said, and, and I forget which speaker it was, um, but just said, you know, they're now governing by popular opinion. Yes. So it's like you can't just go to one party. You have to go to all of the yes. players involved. And then within those parties, I mean, well, now there's questions like, well, who do I actually go to right. maybe in this right. party? Like right. who holds the power within the party? Um, and even if you know what they're thinking or you know a party's stance on something, you can still go and negotiate with them and try and convince totally. them of something that your client wants. Yes. Because it, it, like someone said, you know, think long term, like everything just seems like it's 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 free game totally like nothing is untouchable so it's almost it's yeah. more fun but also more confusing more confusing more complex there's uh, certainly more people to th consider and and new faces i mean i think it was maybe rachel who said just i you know i would start going and, and having coffees with people just as many 
interactions as you can with but the you new said, faces. Have your points ready yes. before you go for copy. Don't don't copy, waste don't their just, time. Yeah. And using different set like if it's a policy issue, um, being more strategic on uh, based on the policy issue. You know, if it's healthcare, who are you going to go to? If it's um, carbon tax, who are you going to go to? So. Uh, or environment, whatever, like you, you being, being really strategic about the topic. And, um, and, and I thought too, there was, there was some good points about uh, branding yourself as an expert. I think a lot of communicators nowadays have an opportunity to um, come out and, and, and present to their client, their knowledge. You'd be shocked. And they and said this in, 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 um, the panel, how many people really don't know about the ins and outs of parliament and um, politics. So be that expert, be that voice in sort of new and, and innovative ways, I guess. And um, they also brought up, just because you talked about being an expert, the mandate letters, Yes, um, which we should say for people who don't know what they are, these are letters that go to uh, the cabinet ministers yes. with like specific instructions yes. So like using those like right. at, in your favor, yeah. if you are an expert, you know what I mean? Yeah. To kind of yeah. say like this is going to help you um, achieve X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, and then the other strategic thing that I really liked the way they pitched it was ask whoever you're going to to think long term. Like what's right. What will this mean for you maybe two years down the road? Because you don't know when you're going to be going to voters. Again. Yes. So you might want to be able Good to point. position and say, uh, well, we tried to do X, Y, Z. Um, we um, advocated on behalf of this issue. The next like, what do you want to be telling voters the next time, next time. you go? Yeah. I thought that was a great strategic point to try and get yeah. And I think we're heading towards a budget that's going to be really important. Oh, yeah, and that is a time. I mean, <laughs> I hate to break it to you, but that so that was November early, mid November, early November. Um, we're now end of December. And so if you haven't started getting going on putting your asks in with politicians on the budget, you probably are are running get out that of Christmas time. list. Going. Yeah, get the Christmas list going. Uh, that's such a good point because a lot of communicators would be, I know, or a lot of organizations, yes. they would have clients who will need funding for yes. sure. That's a great point. Good, um, good session. Yeah, great takeaways. Um, and uh, Sarah, you did a fantastic job moderating. Oh well, thank you very much. Okay, so before we go, we did want to do some member updates. So we're going to try this brand new segment, Members Corner. The Members Corner. Members Corner updates? What do we yeah, want to call it, Sarah? I, you know what? The Members Corner. It kind of reminds me of like an MTV kind of like. Yes, we're very hip like yeah, MTV. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sarah, what do people need to know? What do members need to know? So reminder that there are tons of events coming up in the new year. The dates are still being finalized. So what you should do if you want to make sure you get the latest updates is make sure you're following the IABC um, Ottawa social networks, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and obviously all of the events are listed on the IABC website. So if you want to be up to date, check there. There's blog posts, there's event info, event recaps. There's also an event recap for the panel we just listened to if you want to go back and see the key points in writing. Okay, so takeaway, check website, follow the social feeds, stay tuned for future events. Stay right? tuned. Okay. Yeah, keep an eye out. Um, I have a member's corner update. Uh, the deadline to apply for the IABC six-month membership program uh, has been extended. 
breaking news. <laughs> oh, um, my God. You got it here first. Uh, well, unless unless it depends when you're listening. So That's hopefully true. you're listening before the deadline because you now have until January 11th right. to apply for that. Um, and whether you're a new comms professional or someone with seasoned experience, you can head to the website, sign up. Uh, as mentioned, it's six months long. It's a really valuable place where you can get career connections, career advice. Take a look into that. Um, and I guess the last thing we should say is we want feedback on this episode, members. Yes, we do. That's right. We said it. And we're we're using this as a bit of an experiment to see what you guys thought of it. So please let us know how you found it. Be nice. Be nice. Be Use kind and, and thoughtful words. But tell us what you like. Constructive criticism. Constructive <laughs> feedback what you didn't if there's something you uh you'd like us to do in the future or someone you want us to interview we want to hear it all yeah we're open to feedback um and that being said sarah how can people get in touch with you so the best way is um i guess my twitter at turnbull sarah uh, i'm also on instagram and linkedin and all that but my name is sarah turnbull i'm at turnbull sarah on twitter and uh yeah you can find me there shoot me a message and sherry where are you reachable um None of those places. No, all of those places, too. Um, best way is Twitter, at Sherry Ask. Uh, haha, my last name is like Ask a Question, but yes. with an E. Um, but I think people can also probably email IABC yeah, Ottawa. that's true. So that's it for this episode. The IABC Ottawa podcast, The Voice, is back in session. We hope you'll join us again next time. And we didn't really talk about how to end this, so... I think we we should just let the music play. Let the music play. Ooh.